And we're back. Tim Blankenship here, Divorce 661 Daily Perspective, episode 37 for this Tuesday, December 5th, 2023, day in the life of an LDA, where I talk about what I do and cases I handled related to amicable divorce cases. I don't say it enough in these videos. I am a legal document preparer, legal document preparer uh, that handles amicable divorce cases throughout California. So if that's uh, Sounds like you. Give me a call. We do work with all counties. Uh, today, we had uh, five consultations all in. Um, mix of new cases, people haven't filed, and people that are stuck in the process. Filed a new case today in San Mateo County, Redwood City area. Had two divorce cases approved so far today. We still have about an, another hour before the court closes. And uh, three judgments that I finalized for clients, existing clients who got their settlement agreement terms to me and we finalized their paperwork and we, we set that up for electronic signatures and e-notary, at least for our LA County cases. So today what we're talking about is a um, couple things conversation wise. I'm going to talk about my flat fee pricing and a, about a guy who, who called 15 divorce attorneys and couldn't get them to get a, a quote out of them. I'm going to talk about our service where we actually take over your entire case if you've started it. And then I'm going to talk about five tips for you to consider if you are you want to have an amicable divorce. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the seven advantages of filing first when you are going through a divorce in California. So number one was about our flat fee pricing. So one of the consultations today and a guy who has already hired me uh, said that they had started their own divorce, did the initial petition, spouse filed the response, they're working on the disclosures, and now it was getting a little tricky and they needed help with the finalization of the divorce. And that's where a lot of people will call me when they get to that point. That's where it gets really tricky. And uh, he had called, he said, in his words, 10 to 15 divorce attorneys, letting them know where they were at in the process. And asking, you know, well, how much would it be to, you know, basically finalize the divorce and that they were in an agreement, just need their settlement agreement drafted and all that. And he said every single one of them wouldn't tell them what needs to be done, wanted to do a full retainer. Um, and then the fee, there, the retainer that they were quoting them, um, they said, you know, obviously I can't tell you if that's going to be the total fee. If I spend more time, it's obviously going to be more than the retainer. So let me explain retainers to you. So you understand them. When you hire an attorney on a retainer system, you, the initial deposit is not a flat fee. So let's say it's $3,500, $5,000. I think right now the general going rate is about $7,500 for a retainer for a, a brand new divorce case. That retainer is then billed against from their staff, the from the people that answer the phones regarding your case to the paralegals to when they make photocopies, everything is billed in 0 0.10 um, uh, minutes per, per hour. So every 10th of an hour you, you get billed. And that can go very quickly when the paralegal staff is charging, you know, 200 to $250 an hour, the attorney's charging 300, 400, $500 an hour, whatever their rate was. And so that money can go very fast. If the attorney does 10 hours of work, that's $5,000. That money is gone. I talked about yesterday how we would take over cases for clients who did pay $5,000 to an attorney. And when I looked up their case, all they had done is filed the petition and, and a bunch of communication, but somehow went through the entire $5,000. And of course, they didn't want to plop down another five grand or retainer or continue paying the, 
whatever the fees are from the attorney. And they came over to me because they were amicable. The um, person I spoke with today, they made a comment, and I haven't talked about this in a long time. He said, yeah, I, they sent me with their retainer agreement, and I read through it, and there was an evergreen clause in the retainer agreement. And I haven't heard that in a while because I haven't worked for a law firm for over 12 years or for the courts. And uh, I, so I said, yeah, that, those, those evergreen clauses, uh, what that essentially means is once your initial retainer is gone, they will then, you will then owe them for any additional monies that they bill beyond that. So let's say that you did a, you know, a $5,000 retainer and they build the 10 hours and that money's gone. Not only does the evergreen retainer say they don't have to call you and say, hey, by the way, your retainer's gone. We're now into new money you're going to owe us. No, they just keep working, keep working. And you don't know that they've used the retainer until you get that first bill that says, hey, by the way, that $5,000 is gone and you owe us another however much more money based on how much work they've done. I can tell you, again, 12 years ago when I worked for a law firm, that every month when the billing would get go out, you could guarantee 20 calls from angry clients who didn't realize that how did we spend $5,000 in less than a month and already in you know another five or 10,000 into their case and they had no idea that's being billed. So he called us. We have flat fees here and uh, you know to take over a judgment currently we charge a flat fee of $799 and I think he was shocked to find out after talking to 10 to 15 divorce attorneys that I would straight up say here's the fee 799. He's like do you need to look at our paperwork? No, I don't. I know what I'm getting into. I know you're amicable. I know you guys are in agreement and I'm going to finalize your case. I don't need to review your paperwork as long as you guys meet that criteria. I can take care of it for you. Um, and then he asked, so that's $7.99 per person, right? And I said, no, it's $7.99. I work as a neutral third party for both of you. He was so happy. I, I sent him the uh, email so he could hire me and he paid, you know, just after I hit send on the email, he had paid. I think he wanted to lock that in. I think he's made may have been afraid I was going to change my mind, which I'm not. So he's going to get his documents uploaded and uh, I'm going to double check, make sure everything's been filed. Whenever someone hires me uh, that they started their case, I don't just take over and, and move on from where they're at. I do a full review from their initial petition, response, proof of service, everything, because I want to make sure that those are accurate uh, and, and aren't going to cause the judgment to reject. And if they are, I will correct them as well. So, yeah, we do have a judgment takeover service. I, I, I keep saying half my business is people that come to me who have started their own divorce and then it got a little tricky for them. Or maybe they went all the way through and had their divorce rejected, their judgment rejected, and they need help cleaning it up. I can take over at any point, again, as long as you guys are in agreement. All right, so I want to get into the conversation of, of an amicable divorce, five tips for a successful divorce process, basically things that you can do to help ensure as best as you can that your divorce will be an amicable one, assuming that you guys are playing fair and all that good stuff. So I have some notes here I'm going to read, and then I'm going to kind of expand on them as we go. So here's five tips for a successful divorce process that you want to be amicable. Divorce can be challenging and emotional process, but it's possible to navigate it amicably with your spouse. You can use a service like mine, obviously. Here are five tips to help ensure a smooth and amicable divorce. Number one, open and honest communication. Maintain open and honest communication with your spouse throughout the process. Discuss your concerns, expectations, and priorities calmly and respectively. Effective communication can help both parties understand each 
others' needs and reach mutually agreeable solutions. One of the consultations I had today, um, I basically told her, let's not file your divorce just yet. They want to go through an amicable divorce, but they hadn't talked about any of the terms yet. And the previous discussions they had had were over two months ago, and they haven't really connected since then to discuss things. So I said, hey, I think it's better that we just you know, kind of pump the brakes a little bit. You guys should sit down and talk about the details of the terms of your agreement related to custody, child support, spouse support, division of assets and debts, because they hadn't really talked about that. I said, that's when you'll really know if you guys are going to be amicable or not, is once you guys start talking details um, and talking about money. And that, you know that's where there's maybe um, issues can arise and you realize you're not actually in agreement. Because I told her, I don't want you to hire me and I file your case. And then, you know, he gets served and he, he gets brought into the process and he wasn't ready for it or he wasn't, um, he wasn't, he didn't know that you were even filing. <clears throat> so you communication, not only in what you want and terms, but communication like, hey, I've talked to Tim at Divorce 661. I'm considering filing for divorce. I told her, hey, let him jump on the website, watch some of my videos, get to know me a little bit. And, and you also need to agree on a service you're going to use. Because what if, for instance, he says, you know, I don't, I don't like something Tim said, so we're not, I don't want to use that company. Then good, go find a company that you guys both mutually agree to use. Because the worst thing you can do is both of you using separate paralegal services or having to get attorneys involved if you're trying to keep this amicable. So um, communication is key. And, and that is why that is number one on my list. Number two, consider mediation. Today, I did all kinds of discussion videos about mediation, but ma maintain, oh, I'm sorry, uh, mediation can be an effective way to resolve disputes and reach agreements outside of court. That is true. A neutral third-party mediator can help facilitate productive discussions and guide you towards mutually beneficial solutions. This can be less adversarial and more cooperative approach than litigation. So I talked about um, mediation a lot today in the videos uh, you can see. You can go back in the in on YouTube and see them. I also talked about mediation versus litigation as well. And I would agree with this point. Mediation is definitely better than litigation. Reaching an agreement is always going to be better than going to court and going to trial and having attorneys if you can if you can prevent it. Um, but the thing about mediation is mediation is not required in California. I will have on occasion people schedule consultations with me and they'll say, Tim, we're looking for a mediator. And when I call them, I say, let me tell, talk to me about what you, why you think you need a mediator. What's going on? Some people think that mediation is required in order to um, get through the divorce process and it is not. And some people think they need mediation, but in reality, they don't need a mediator. They just don't know how the process works. And so I don't consider myself a, as a mediator. I don't charge fees as a mediator. I do this as a, you know, as a flat fee and put you through the process. But in my consultations, and this is why I like having them, one of the reasons is I can explain the process. I can explain the decisions that have to be made. I can explain um, the terms you guys have to provide me and all the different things that need to be discussed for us to be able to finalize your divorce amicably. And in the end, they're like, you know, Tim, I don't, I didn't need uh, a mediator. Of, at the, I just needed this information you gave me. And I do that as part of a free consultation. I also do it during the process as well. And while, again, I'm not a mediator, I think my role kind of bleeds into that a little bit because 
in our service, we use a portal where all communication is between me and you and your spouse. And everyone's on the same page throughout the same process. I do updates via video. Um, when documents need to be signed, everyone gets a notification. When I, when I update a settlement agreement, everyone gets to review it. So I bring everyone along the process all at the same time so everyone's on the same page. I was talking yesterday about the guy who called me, um, who hired, wife hired a paralegal firm who just absolutely won't talk to them and are, are pretending to play attorneys and they're acting like they represent the wife and won't talk to him. And he's totally confused. He's totally lost as far as, far as what the process is. They have an agreement, but he's not, he, he thought the disclosures was the agreement. He didn't know what he had to do, what paperwork we had to do. So um, that's why I work with both spouses, both from communication factor, right? And obviously keeping people on the same page. Number three, focus on the best interest of the children. Always want to do this. If you have children together, prioritize their well-being and best interests. Above all else, collaborate on parenting plan that promotes stability, consistency, and a healthy co-parenting relationship, showing a united front as parents can help reduce conflicts. Yesterday, um, or two days ago, we had a consultation where they had um, they had agreed outside of court, just verbally, you know, joint legal and physical custody, uh, but mom was going to have 90% of the timeshare of the of the children just because she wasn't working she was home and was able to care for them but then once the um husband realized that wow when we run the child support calculation because mom has more timeshare that means the child support goes up suddenly he wanted to have more timeshare not because he could watch the kids not because he wasn't going to have to go to work but because he was going to fight for 50 50 now because it reduced the amount of child support he had to pay that obviously is not focusing on the best interest in the children i think the best interest of the children would be if there's a stay at home mom or dad that you guys do what you can to number one, keep them being parented by the mom, by the mom or dad that's home and that you help in the way of support to make sure that their children's financial needs can be met with food and all that. Because obviously the more time you have with the kids, the longer or the more money it's going to cost to feed them buy the things that they need clothing and so forth. So again, focus on the best interests of the children is always great advice. Do not turn them into pawns or a negotiating tool. Number four, be fair and compromise. Be willing to compromise on various aspects of the divorce, including property division, assets, and financial matters. Understand that a fair resolution may not mean getting everything you want, but it can lead to a quicker and more amicable divorce process. What I'll add to that is, 50-50 is not always fair. I can I can tell you that very few, if any, of the settlement agreements I put together are the assets and debts divided equally. They're, I would say probably never. They're never divided equally. When you go through an amicable divorce, you get to make the decisions on who keeps what. If you guys are splitting up some assets and they're not ex exactly equal, they could even be considerably off. And for one reason or another, you guys agree to those terms, and that's totally fine. The court's not going to interfere with your decision-making ability. Maybe it's because maybe uh, there's not going to be any spouse support when there there should be. Like we run a calculation, and, and it says, hey, spouse support should be $500 a month, but you guys don't want to include spouse support, for instance, because maybe if the husband was going to pay spouse support instead he's going to take on, you know, the entire $30,000 credit card or something like that. And that makes sense to you. Why would you want $500 a month for 
three years when he's going to pay, you know, what normally would be half, you know, splitting that credit card, that community property credit card, 15, 15, he's going to take on the whole 30. You can make deals and bargains like that. Uh, I often say you, you don't want to feel like you w- are winning because if you're winning, somebody's losing, but you can win because maybe some things are going to be more important to you. Um, we had, uh, I thinking back a few months ago, uh, we had clients where the mom, they, I think they had four children and all she cared about is staying in the family home. She wanted to keep it consistent for the kids. She didn't want a big change. She didn't want to have to sell the house. And in order to do that, she waived her right in, in both the husband's pension and deferred compensation in 401k. And so she was basically walking away from, I would say an additional $50,000 of, of monies she could have gotten in the form of community property but she was willing to forego that because if she wasn't going to do that, husband wanted to sell the house and, and get the proceeds from that, the, the cash to be able to go and buy a new property because they didn't have any liquid assets because you know the pension money, you can't use that and so forth. So that's what they ended up agreeing to. She kept the house. She's happy. Uh, he kept his pensions. And that was actually turned out to be important to him. He didn't want to have to divide those. And so that worked. So try and come up with a fair agreement that works for both of you. And that, and that can even be tied back to the, the kids. Um, what's fair to you guys for the kids or what's fair to the kids as well. Number five, seek professional guidance. What do you think? That's what I hear here for. That's what I do. Um, you know, consult with me. We don't give legal advice, but we can talk you through and how to, how we get you through the divorce, the divorce process. Um, in an amicable fashion. Um, you know, and there's lots of other resources out there for you. If you guys need additional help, again, you can use me. You can go to a mediator. If you need additional help, you can, um, get the advice of financial advisors, uh, therapists. If you need to, we have clients that uh, come to us referred by therapists who basically in the discussions in the therapy determine, you know what, I think we've decided at the end of this therapy that, we do need to do a divorce and they'll come over and they'll be amicable because they've talked through their issues and both mutually agreed that, you know, it's probably in their best interest that they file for divorce and not continue on in the marriage. So those are the five tips, um, open and honest communication, consider mediation, focus on the best interest of the children, be fair and compromise and seek professional guidance. You know, the you folks that are doing your own divorce, not only are you going through a divorce, obviously, but then you're having to deal with the nightmare of the legalese and the paperwork and the filing and the serving and the courts. I don't know why you do that to yourself. Just give me a call. At the end of the day, the amount of time you're going to spend missing work, going to court, on gas, parking fees, um, doing your paperwork at home, doing whatever time that takes away from you with your kids or doing activities that you enjoy, that that is costing you real not real dollars, but it's costing you um, money in your time being wasted. So definitely give us a call. I'd be happy to help. We had someone hire us on uh, a day ago, and the same day they hired me, I had their entire divorce finalized. We did this in two ways. We had a judgment, reject, rejected judgment case where they came to me and said, Tim, we can't get it through. Can you help us finalize that? They signed, filed it, approved the same day. Done. And they've been working on this on their divorce for months. Another one was a new case, super simple, no assets, no debts, no kids, less than 10 years marriage, no alimony. I did their initial filing. I got that filed in five minutes, had a case number, finalized the remainder remainder of their paperwork. They both e-signed all of that, and I sent their settlement agreement out 
um, via uh, notary service, e-notary service, and they notarize their paperwork. They are literally done in one day, all their paperwork. And then all I have to left to do is uh, file, uh, e-file the judgment after 30 days have passed after we file, and we usually get approvals in a couple of days with LA County. Again, all the other counties, we have to do it by mail. So remember that every divorce is unique and that these tips may need to be tailored to your specific circumstances. Emotions can run high during divorce. And then you're on top of that, you're going to add doing the paperwork. But by approaching the process with empathy, respect, and a commitment to finding common ground, you can increase the likelihood of a smoother and more amicable divorce, as well as using my service that will help you guys do all the grunt work of getting the procedural element of the divorce through. You guys just need to talk and discuss what those terms are. Make sure you kind of check your ego. Is that what I want to say? Make sure that you kind of put leave emotion at the door and as best you can turn this into a financial decision, um, like a business decision, not an, um, don't come from a place of emotion. If you come from a place of emotion, you're upset because of maybe the reason you're getting divorced or what happened in the marriage, you got to put all that aside and just so you can make sane um, decisions. You don't want to make mistakes either because if you're emotionally charged, you might make mistakes in both directions. Maybe you're overly aggressive and you say things you shouldn't have said and you, you guys end, end up having attorneys. Or I've talked to people that were so upset on the consultation, they said, "Hey, I'm not. Even if you begged me to take your case, I'm not going to do it today because I think you're not you're not coming from a place of making rational decisions. Um, so try and treat it as a business decision. Try and keep emotion in check, and uh, that'll also help you keep from having to go to attorneys and and sticking with having an amicable divorce. All right. The second thing I want to talk about was the seven advantages of filing for divorce first in California. There's this. The, the, I'm going to go over these seven advantages, but then I'm going to I'm going to throw a curveball at you and then tell you why it doesn't matter with what I do. In California, there are certain potential advantages to being the spouse who files for divorce first. Although these advantages can vary depending on individual circumstances, here are some potential benefits. Number one, choice of jurisdiction. The spouse who files first gets to choose the county where the divorce will be filed. This can be strategically important as different counties may have different procedures, timelines, and judges with varying attitudes toward, uh, towards divorce cases. So that is true. Um, if you guys live in the same home, then there's not going to be a big change in jurisdiction. If you're in L.A. County, um, you, you can file in your local branch court. So like, for instance, I'm in Santa Clarita. So our branch court would be Chatsworth, but in LA County, you can always file your divorce um, at the central courthouse. That is the main branch. The The branch courts um, like Chatsworth, Pomona, uh, Van Nuys, Long Beach, et cetera, those are just for convenience. As you've probably heard me say, I file all of our cases downtown LA because they have the most courtrooms, most judges, systemized, their, their process is the same every time. Whereas it can be different throughout the other courts, and and I and I know there the folks down there I used to work down there. I know the timeline processing and and the processing is consistent, as opposed to the different branch courts having slightly different policies or timelines. I was telling the other day how I can get a judgment approved downtown L.A. in the same day or next day, approved divorce case, whereas I had a torrent case take 28 days to get approved, and there was nothing tricky about it. It's just they're either. 
understaffed or what they lost the case or whatever, but that doesn't happen with downtown. So jurisdictionally speaking, it might be a, an advantage if you have a contested divorce case. I know that the attorneys, but when I did that 12 years ago, that if they, um, they knew the case was going to be contentious or was going to go to trial or had the likelihood of going to trial, they wouldn't want to file at Chatsworth or the branch courts. They'd want to file it downtown. And the reason they would do that is because you get a full-fledged judge at downtown in most cases, as opposed to a commissioner. Um, most of the branch courts have a mix of commissioners and judges, but I would probably say mostly commissioners. Um, they still have commissioners at the central courthouse uh, downtown at Stanley Mosque, but um, the benefit there is say you don't want the commissioner, you can file a basically a form that says, I don't want a commissioner, I want a full-on judge, and they'll move you to a full-on judge. They'll move you to a different courtroom. I don't know the, I think, People, maybe attorneys feel that a full-on judge has more training, experience, makes better decisions or whatnot, but I know that that would happen when they know it's going to trial. They would not stipulate to a commissioner. At the end of the day, with what I do, it makes no difference who the filing party is. I harp on this all the time. Um, usually it's the person that pays me. Usually it's the person kind of leading the charge, if you will, pushing the divorce through. They're the one that wants to implement it and start it. Um, but there's no benefit. You don't get a better decision from court. You don't get a better um, outcome because with what I do, you guys are calling the shots. You guys make the decisions. So who, who the petitioner is and who the respondent is, is irrelevant with what I do. So maybe there's an advantage here. If you're, you know, I'm sure an attorney would say, yes, there's an advantage to being the petitioner because we get in this case choice of filing. But at the end of the day, with what I do, that's not the case. Number two, and we're talking about potential um, benefits of file, being the person to file for divorce. Number two rationale, legal preparedness. The filing spouse has likely consulted with an attorney and prepared the necessary paperwork in advance. This can give them a head start in the legal process and help streamline the proceedings. So I can see a, a point here. I'll talk about the contested divorce cases first. It seems like most people, like with my clients, they have already talked about it. They're both on the same page. They, they want to go through an amicable divorce. They've talked about many things, maybe even the terms. Maybe they even have a full agreement as far as what they want to do. As opposed to when I worked for a law firm 12 years ago, um, I think that it was a lot of shock and awe. I don't think people were telling their spouse. I think it was, it was going to be contentious. They went directly to an attorney uh, at that time, and there's no warning. Uh, no communication, which we were talking about. And so there is there is this benefit that like someone who's going to file for divorce, they've probably been thinking about it for three months, six months, 20 years, however long they've been th thinking about filing for divorce. And I've found that some the other party, in many cases, has no idea there's even anything wrong in the marriage. So it comes to a complete shock to them. So in this point, the, the legal preparedness, yeah, you've had time to think about it, digest it, You've already consulted with an attorney, whether you retain them or not. You now have some legal advice to kick things things around and make uh, you know more understanding of what you're going to do. Maybe you've they've told you to get your finances and start printing out bank statements and getting all the financial stuff ready for when you do pull the trigger. That's done. So yes, you do have that advantage that you are more prepared as opposed to the respondent who one day at home or work gets served by a process server or the sheriff 
and says, you've been served. Here's your divorce papers. And you're reading through it. You have no clue. You haven't met with an attorney. You haven't had a consultation. You haven't got prepared financially. And you're dealing with the shock of, oh, my God, my spouse just filed for divorce and I had no idea. So that's there is that benefit there. The, that person is already ahead of the game. Now, on the amicable side of things, that doesn't happen. We don't have a shock and awe. We I don't file a case unless the spouse knows that both part you know knows that I'm being hired. I have a, a initial worksheet for people to provide me their uh, initial information, like to, so we can file names, addresses, date of marriage, date of separation, just the boilerplate um, for what we need for the petition. And at the very top of the sheet, it says of the worksheet, it says before you fill this out, just know that within you know 30 minutes to an hour after submitting this, I will be adding your spouse to our communication system, our portal, and sending out a welcome email, you know, bringing everybody into the loop. So we don't want that shock at all. We don't want them to be surprised. So make sure they know before you fill this out. Total different approach with what I do. <clears throat> Number three, control over timing. By initiating the divorce, the, by initiating the divorce, the filing spouse can have some control over the timing of court hearings and negotiations. This can be advantageous if there are time-sensitive issues, such as the need for temporary support or custody orders. So this won't have any bearing on with, uh, with it being an amicable divorce, but from a contested divorce case, there's some truth to this. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you're not receiving any spouse support or child support. You guys have separated, and it's kind of one of these ugly divorce cases we would see when I was at, working at the courts or uh, with a law firm. And um, you need to get support. You need to get money coming in. Well, as the petitioner, you can then you can decide, hey, I'm going to file. I'm not going to wait and drag this out because nothing's happening. You can file for divorce. And then you can um, request a hearing on spouse support, file a, file a motion, call a request for order, and get a hearing in about 45 days and basically say, I need, you know, spouse support, child support, custody orders, et cetera. So you, you do have that advantage of being able to do that. Now, you can't file an, to get a hearing without having filed for divorce. I guess you could, but you would, it wouldn't make sense to do that. As the respondent, you can still do that, just not until you've filed the response and, and you've been served. So petitioner files, they can open up with a, a motion, you know, to get these temporary orders, get a hearing in place. And then you are then responding to that. So I'm sure you know, if there's some attorneys listening to that, they're going to say, Tim, stay in your lane. You don't, you're not an attorney. You don't, you don't know this litigated part of it. They'd probably say there is a benefit to being the filing party, especially when it comes to filing a motion, you know, cause you get to write your initial declaration and say, here's what I want and why. And that gets filed. The issue of court date, you serve your spouse, they read it. They get to respond to what you wrote. And they're going to read through what you said and why you want what you want. And then they're going to respond to what you wrote. And then you get one last reply. So you get kind of two, two at bats on the same hearing, whereas the, the respondent on a hearing only gets one. So um, that was, that's where that would make some sense or some advantage to the petitioner. But again, with what I do, it makes no difference. Number four, psychological advantage. Being the first to file may give the impression of being more proactive and prepared, which can sometimes affect negotiations and the perception of the court. Again, I work for the courts. There is no perception. They don't make those judgment calls because you're the petitioner. Maybe you just feel that um, that psychological effect. Maybe you were the 
even though you know there's no we don't need to uh, there's no reasons that are stated for the divorce but maybe you're the aggrieved spouse so you want to be the one that files i've had people say that to me even though we're doing it amicably i'll tell them you know hey it doesn't matter who the filing party and they're like well i want to be the filing party because i want the divorce and my spouse doesn't and i'll have the same opposite effect where the response is yes we're amicable but i don't want this i'm going to do it amicably so i'm not going to be the filing party because i don't want this so it's just it's like psychological or just a personal opinion or decision that that's what they want to do because they don't want to be the party filing <coughs> but from a um, other than that there's there's no advantage just personal preference in that way number five temporary orders oh, i guess i kind of jumped the gun on that temporary orders the filing spouse can request temporary orders for child custody child support and other matters soon after filing these orders can help ensure financial stability and well-being and child well-being during the divorce process. So I just I kind of mentioned that already, but that is the case. Just because you're the the respondent doesn't mean you can't also do that. Let's say your spouse files for divorce and, and then nothing happens because nothing happens with the court. You file, you get served, you have 30 days to get your response in. But other than that, the court doesn't even know you exist. There's no hearing set. There's no, nothing scheduled. They're just until you ask for help, until you file a motion to get a hearing, until you enter the actual court system on their calendar, nothing happens. So if you if you filed for divorce and you served your spouse and then your spouse files a response, they can immediately file a request for uh, all of these uh, requests, child support, spouse support, custody order, whatever you think you need temporary orders for. And why would you do that? It's so you can get temporary orders in place pending the final divorce date. We don't have to do that with our clients. Our clients aren't going to court at all for their entire divorce ever. Um, and they don't also, they don't need temporary orders because we usually have their permanent orders in effect, the settlement agreement drafted in a couple of days, couple of weeks, at most a month when we submit it. And then it's approved by the judge and you're done. So we never have to have temporary orders um, put in place. But why would you do that? Because if you're going to trial, if you have attorneys, what we do in a month is probably taking a year at minimum with the court for you get an actual court dates and get in the system. And if you have to go to eventually having a long cause or a short cause trial, um, it's, it takes a long time to get there because there's several steps that happen before that, um, before you ever will have a actual trial. You're going to have um, forced mediations, for, forced four-way meetings. You're going to have to have um, all of your discovery done. A lot of steps that go into play before probably three hearings or four hearings before you ever have the trial. So it could be a year out easily. So that's why you might want to get temporary orders for spouse support and child support custody and any other issues you might have up until the point you guys have that final trial. Number six, momentum and initiative. Filing first can save the set the tone for the divorce and may convey a sense of initiative and control can help shape the narrative of the case, especially in terms of framing issues and presenting arguments. So yes and no, again, with what I do, this doesn't come up as an issue, but for those of you maybe going through a contested divorce, uh, I guess there, I suppose there's some power, if you will, or control, if you will, of being the petitioner in the end, you guys have equal access to, um, you know, attorneys to filing all the same motions and so forth. Um, but you can be the one to decide to file. You can be the one to um, lead the charge. But again, you don't have, it's not a huge difference in this, in this case between the petitioner and the respondent, as far as what I can see. And again, it has nothing to do with what us doing as an amicable divorce is not going to ever be an issue at all. 
Number seven, familiarity with the process. The spouse who initiates the divorce may have a better understanding of the divorce process, which can be beneficial in terms of navigating the legal system and making informed decisions. And I think this might go back to number two, the legal preparedness. It's that you have that opportunity to consider what you're going to do, do initiate with the consultation with an attorney. Maybe then you, um, like the client or the, the consultation I had today, she consulted with an attorney a month ago, still hasn't pulled the trigger yet, deciding on whether to use an attorney or not, or use us if they're going to be amicable. But she's, she's, she was able to consider all of this. The con consultation we had went on for about 25 minutes. And when I, we were talking about all the various aspects of the divorce, custody, child support, spouse support, selling of the home, their pensions, or 401ks, she had carefully considered all of these options of what she thought she would like to do as, as far as an agreement goes. So when she goes to now speak to her spouse, he may not have considered any of this and is being hit with all this information. So a little lack of preparedness, preparedness there because you weren't expecting to have that conversation just yet. Maybe you didn't have a consultation with an attorney yet. And you have to, and now all of this is kind of thrown in your lap and it's legalese and you're being sued and you're being served and you're getting warning, you know, notices from attorneys and all these threatening things about don't change, you know, what you can and can't do on the summons and so forth. So I can see, you know, if you have that shock and awe that you wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that. That's why I focus on the amicable stuff. No one, no one, no shock and awe, as I keep saying, no surprises. Um, everyone's on the same page. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy saying, don't file until you've talked to your spouse. You'll never hear an attorney say that because they want, first of all, they're afraid if you don't hire them on the spot, you're going to go have another consultation or hire someone else. They, they're afraid that you'll go and hire someone else. So they're, they're going to push you to retain them. They're not going to have any care or consideration on whether or not your spouse gets served at work or at home at the worst possible time. In fact, the more they can stir the pot, I'm sure this is not all attorneys, but the more they can stir the pot, the more contested your divorce case can be. Going back to the gal I was talking about, I had a consultation with today. Um, I, I believe she did say her husband did talk to an attorney, but that he got a bad feeling from them because that he was talking, hey, we want to make it amicable. But the attorney was talking, giving him the impression that it wouldn't be amicable no matter what. And that he felt that the attorney's advice and things he suggested they do would put them down this path, taking them straight to court. Why do they do that? Again, not all attorneys, but they don't make money on an amicable divorce. Why take an amicable divorce and maybe charge you know twenty five hundred bucks or five grand when they can make thirty, forty, fifty grand uh, by taking it to trial? Now, that's an unfortunate uh, truth. I think you need to carefully consider. You know, don't don't um, you hire an attorney to say, hey, they're gonna they're gonna save me. Um, they're here to protect me. They, I mean, they are. But keep in mind. You, you have someone charging you hourly fees. The more aggressive, quote unquote, they are, the more costly your divorce is going to be. So in wrapping up, <clears throat> it's important to note that while these potential benefits exist, they do not guarantee a favorable outcome in the divorce. Ultimately, the outcome will depend on various factors, including the specific circumstances of the case, the cooperation of both spouses and the judge's decisions. Regardless of who files first, it's often advisable for both spouses to well le seek legal counsel. If you, yeah, if you're if you're going to court for sure, um, or have someone that's a neutral third party like me, who will help you guys get through this amicably. You will be the ones to decide if the um, agreement is fair because you guys are providing that to me. I'm not making the decision. 
The court's not making the decision. No attorneys make the decision. Court will not get involved in the decision making. I do believe going this route is the best way to go from any perspective you can you can think of, from a cost, from a timeline, the speed of how fast we get it done, to you guys getting to make the decisions, nothing's getting taken out of your hands. Can you imagine these people that go to trial over custody issues because they're fighting? Whatever the judge decides is what the rule is, regardless if you like it or not. You want A, your spouse wants C, but you're going to get B, and neither of you are going to be happy. That's how that's going to go through in court. So figure it out on your own. It's the best way to do things. I hope you guys are enjoying. This is episode 37 now um, of the Daily Perspective. And uh, I'm going to keep knocking them out. I think that we're going over a lot of good information, uh, not things that I normally talk about. Usually my videos are about tips and tricks and the paperwork and how to file and mistakes you're making and so forth. And I'm going to start having some of this more longer uh, content um, and just getting this stuff out on video. So enjoy your Tuesday evening if you're watching this as it goes live. Otherwise, uh, if you're watching this on the replay, um, you can always check the chapters that are created of the individual topics. Anyways, we'll talk to you tomorrow. And as always, feel free to schedule a free consultation at divorce661.com and we'll talk to you.